Welcome in to the OMR Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Peterson, coming to you straight from OMR HQ in Hamburg, Germany, home of the OMR Festival, returning May 17th and 18th of this year, 2022. If you want to attend but don't have a ticket yet, you might want to hurry. Those tickets are running out. And let me just say that the lineup this year is star-studded. We got Quentin Tarantino and Ashton Kutcher. Don't think those two need much of any further introduction. We also have NYU professor Scott Galloway, Recodes Kara Swisher, and So Rare founder and friend of the OMR podcast, Nicholas Julia, plus an additional 700 speakers, 1,000 exhibitors, and partners. That's all on in less than four weeks in Hamburg. Get your tickets at OMR.com before they're gone. Today, However, we are talking affiliate marketing with AWIN CEO, Adam Ross. What's affiliate marketing? In its essence, it's a form of recommendation marketing connecting publishers and advertisers with users. AWIN, who will also be at OMR22, is the world's largest affiliate network and in the last fiscal year generated a whopping 14 billion, with a B, euros in revenue for advertisers and over 1 billion euros for publishers. As Adam has been in affiliate for over 15 years, who better to talk with about the current state of the industry, its evolution, and its outlook? We also spoke about how AWIN has evolved in the past 15 years, about attribution models, partners, and competitors, and also how affiliate has overcome its once shady reputation to become an essential component to marketing strategies for companies of all sizes. All of that, and more in the OMR podcast right now. Adam, welcome to the OMR podcast. How are you today, sir? I'm very good, thanks. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you were appointed to the top job in 2021, the culmination of 15 years of service to the company. You moved up through the ranks. So uh, obviously, there's nobody better to ask about anything and everything pertaining to affiliate marketing. And I think kind of like a, a macro... Um, place is a good place to start because affiliate marketing feels very technical. It is, at least in its implementation, um, but at its essence, it is kind of a technical form of recommendation marketing, um, at least in my view, uh, as somebody who's not in the industry. But what's also fascinating to me as well is the evolution in the perception of the industry. Um, a lot like newsletters, affiliate was once perceived as something kind of shady, considered dead, only to come back stronger than ever and become essential to businesses of all sizes. And that's a very long-winded way of asking, what is affiliate today and what is AWIN's role in it? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, it, it's, and it's, a good, it's a good description. I mean, we, how we describe ourselves is we're a marketing technology company. And at our core, we're providing... Um, an open marketplace for businesses to manage any type of partnership. And, you know, our foundations are in affiliate marketing and affiliate marketing has certain traditional types of partnership, which are still popular and um, very effective. Uh, but we're constantly broadening and evolving the services that we offer. But at, I suppose at our core, we're primar primarily connecting advertisers. So anybody who sells goods or services online um, and clients include companies like Nike, Samsung, Vodafone, Booking.com. They'd be some famous names. But but it mm -hmm. ranges all the way from sort of big international famous brands to more local brands to even small SMEs and D2C customers. And we connect them with our network of over 240,000 
what we call publisher partners. And mm-hmm. those are businesses that have access to an engaged consumer audience. It could be anything from influencers, bloggers, fintech companies, big newspaper sites, media portals, cashback sites, discount code sites. It really can be, can be anything. And then, and then we have software that tracks the relationship between those partners and, mm-hmm. um, and basically rewards uh, when actions happen, usually sales. And we do that across three continents around the world. Um, okay. And so I think the reason why the perception has changed and why it's evolved, like you said in your question, is because there were certain types of partners that you'd expect to find through that channel years ago. And now the diversity and range of opportunity has grown so much that it's it's kind of hard to pin it down. Uh, but it's also extremely exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you mentioned um, like all scales. So you have large, big name companies, brands that are household names around the world, and also smaller SMEs, influencers types. And I wanted to ask you specifically, how how big of an impact would you say the influencer boom and the creator economy has had on the current growth that is that is happening now in affiliate? It's it's one major area because I think um, there's a really interesting marriage between what influencers have been maybe more traditionally used for you know for for reach and and, and building brand and and building exposure um, mm-hmm. and the need to bring that back to performance and to actually understand the true impact of that activity and I think that that's where. Um, you know, influencer marketing companies and affiliate marketing companies can work really well together for the benefit of brands and um, to really understand the effect uh, of that activity. And, and that has indeed driven quite a bit of growth um, over recent years. Um, and I think it's going to it's going to continue to do that because that just makes a lot of sense. Um, and sure. you know, the, the, the sort of skills that we've developed over time as, a, as an affiliate marketing platform really complement uh, in a nice way um, that sort of creator economy that 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 uh, you know that mm-hmm. influencer space. And, and I would imagine as well um, that uh, it's going to keep growing. And the the tools that you are, are providing as a, a Martech platform uh, company now um, is just going to lead to the further evolution of the influencer and creator space, especially with regards to authenticity on the smaller micro scales, where you're able to track, but the the, the core uh, impetus for people to actually make a purchase based on a recommendation is the trust factor. Yeah. And it seems like you're, you're, ba- you're, you're, you're towing the line between both. You're helping the brands like be able to make sure that they're getting their money's worth and the influencers are able to, to re- retain their authenticity while also uh, just it's a mutually beneficial relationship in, in its essence. And you guys are able to, to, to provide the technical and performance yeah. basis for that. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a good way to describe it. I think we you know we want to provide we want to make sure for, from an advertiser perspective that they're able to um, make sure that they're achieving their goals and getting the value from that activity that they want, which I think is really important to make sure that that industry is sustainable and continues to grow because the advertisers are the ones that invest in that. On the influencer side, um, either through the tools that we provide or um, or the tools that you know there are there are loads of sub networks, there are partners that access our platform provide to those influencers to make it super simple and easy for them to Mm -hmm. not just connect with brands because that's sort of a very simple thing but to to connect with with products and deals and offers 
um, and the combination of those things to make that super easy for them so that they can um, just be themselves, be their authentic selves, mm-hmm. talk about the things they want to talk about and find great ways to monetize that and through services like ours. Yeah. Um, but this is obviously a relatively recent phenomenon, influencers and creator economy. They were not around when you started uh, in the affiliate industry 15 years ago. Um, you started out as the director of client services at AWIN, if I'm not mistaken, um, yeah. moved up to COO, joined the executive board quite young. And then, as mentioned, you were appointed CEO in 2021. Um, how did your journey in affiliate marketing begin with? How did it start? Um, kind of, yeah, it's a very, very, uh, it's, it's a kind of interesting story. Crazy, crazy story, really. I mean, I studied dentistry at university. Don't ask why. Classic <laughs> was, affiliate marketing. Yeah, classic, exactly. Yeah. Um, probably, probably not the best thing because, you know, as a kid, I was always interested in, in the internet and uh, building websites mm-hmm. and, and messing around. And, you know, I should have probably done something uh, related to that at university, but I didn't. And I kept my passion and then um, eventually moved to London and was thinking about maybe should I study something else technology related and, and or maybe I should apply for a job. And, and, and purely by chance, I found um, what was then called Affiliate Window, which was a small startup mm-hmm. based in London, based in Southeast London, 15 people in a kind of obscure industry that nobody knew. Um, but it just spoke to me. I just really loved the concept. I loved the principle behind it and um, went for an interview, met the founder. By the time I'd got off the tube on the way home, he'd offered me the job. Mm-hmm. And it was actually even before I became client service director, I was actually integrating the advertisers onto the platform. That was my first job. Okay. So technically getting them live, putting the tags in place, all that sort of boring stuff, but very important stuff. um, Absolutely. Gave me a great foundation in the industry. And then the rest is history. I just worked my way up and, and, Uh you know, further, further fell in love with it. Um, And I suppose the, the, the company has changed enormously since then. And I would say every three to four years, something major has happened that has made it you know, all the more exciting and more interesting for me to stay from selling the business to Axel Springer um, in 2009 mm-hmm. uh, to um, to then um, sort of taking over the, the entire group in 2014. So Axel Springer owned then Affiliate Window, which was the UK and US part, and a company called Xanox, mm-hmm. which some of your German listeners may may remember. Yeah. Um, and the idea, they, they sort of got us to take, to merge those two companies, to bring them together um to rebrand them um, and so we went through a whole long process of doing that and at the same time to expand geographically by acquiring businesses in the us and acquiring businesses in australia and and, and bring it all together under one umbrella and so there's been these different phases of evolution that have been really exciting and have offered great opportunity and then of course the most recent one was last january getting the opportunity to take over a ceo and and go on the next journey Sure. Is that kind of something you envisioned when you started uh, that you were going to stay in the industry? Maybe you didn't have designs uh, immediately on the the top top job, but uh, maybe just dedicating, focusing on the industry. Was it such a passion project from you at the beginning, or did you think we're going to see where this goes? No way. Maybe I there's think, always think, dentistry to fall back on. Yeah, I, I think um, there's no way. I don't think anybody that joins this industry sort of thinks that they're going to be there for their for their you know for their whole career or for for ten or twenty years or whatever. It's kind of an obscure industry that you don't know about unless you're you're involved in it or you you're, you're close to the digital marketing space. Um, mm-hmm. But I think what keeps it exciting and interesting for me is it's it's like I mentioned at the start. You know, within within affiliate, there are so many different 
dimensions and disciplines. Mm -hmm. And that makes it really exciting because it changes constantly. It's never the same. It's so different from what it was at the beginning, you know, what it is now. And even, you know, it's, it's, it's evolved um, a huge deal in the last two or three years and become even more popular and more um, exciting. So that's what I think keeps me interested. And, and, and um, as long as it continues to be that way, um, I can probably see myself yeah. staying in it for a while longer. Fair enough. Well, as somebody who's seen the evolution for the past 15 years, are there any similarities still in the industry? Um, and what are the biggest changes, would you say, like that just make it the industry today completely unrecognizable from what it was when you started? I think it, it, it's, it's that diversity of opportunity. So, so at the beginning, there were a limited number of partners. And also those mm-hmm. partners were, were smaller. Um, you know, were smaller startups or one-man bands. There was a lot of um, unusual activity. Some people described as a, like the Wild West at the beginning. And it had mm-hmm. sometimes a bit of a, an unfortunate reputation. And I think what's happened since then is that um, affiliates have become much bigger, more sophisticated companies. A number of them have become brands in their own right. And mm-hmm. um, that sort of brought the industry to a, to a new level. And then even more recently, if we get into modern times, you have things that are not just about driving sales. You have ad tech that's come into the space that is about optimizing journeys, you know, improving customer journeys, optimizing conversion, providing a much more sophisticated insight. Um, so newer types of partners mm-hmm. there that have come in. And, and then, of course, you have this boom in content commerce that's happened recently, where I would say, you know, maybe even 10 years ago, a lot of mass media sites would have turned their nose up at affiliate marketing. We would never have even considered it as a viable channel. Whereas recently, you're seeing these these companies invest huge sums in building out their content sure. commerce arms and um, adding um, huge teams to manage that mm-hmm. and taking the whole thing really seriously. Um, so you end up in this situation where where there was sort of limited and one-dimensional opportunity back when I started. There's now still mm-hmm. that in a much more sophisticated and professional way. But on top of that, you have you know the mass media growth, you have the um, content commerce growth, you have the um, uh, influencer growth. There's tons of new areas. You know, FinTech is another area where um, you get a lot of new banks and, and exciting um, you know, financial opportunities that come into the space. Or look, They're looking to build engaged consumer audiences themselves to mm-hmm. bolster the consumer proposition for their banks. And they're using affiliate marketing to, to achieve that. So it's just endless potential, really. And, and, and that's sure. what, what keeps it exciting. Yeah, um, it, uh, it certainly seems like there's a lot going on. And as you said, every three to four years, it's kind of like the, the cards are, are, are dealt again and reshuffled up and yeah. redealt, like I said. And you just kind of, you have to evolve and stay with the times. Um, and that's one of the questions I'm going to ask about later, but I wanted to ask first is how has AWIN been able to evolve and grow into the world's largest affiliate network. So that mm-hmm. now you mentioned about 240,000 affiliate partners that you have in your network. I'm assuming it was not nearly that much when you started. Um, so what what do you think has been key to to not only be agile enough to, to survive, but also to thrive and blossom into the top dog in the market? I think, you know, it's, it's about being... It's about being extremely open and uh, listening very carefully to how the market is changing and um, having a, a team of people um, and a culture that is really open to that adaptation and is 
open mm-hmm. to change. Um, I mean, so much, uh, so much has evolved about how uh, you know about how this business is done. So I could, I could, if you know, if we look at a few different categories, like tracking, for example, um, mm-hmm. used to be a very sort of standard, universal setup, uh, third-party cookie based at the beginning. And now it's a multi-pronged approach that involves server-to-server, first-party, uh, a technology that we uh, came up with called bounceless tracking, which um, you know negates the need to bounce people through an ad server in order to get them to their mm-hmm. destination. You've got app tracking, yeah. you've got cookie-less tracking, whatever else. So tracking has uh, you know undergone huge amounts of evolution, and uh, our technical teams have had to sort of be one step ahead of the market um, in order to make sure that that uh, is as effective and you know because it underpins absolutely everything that we do if yeah you look the at commis- fusion models uh, yeah. it's it's hu- hugely important i mean if you look at com- if you look at how commissioning has changed it used to be a very simple you know an advertiser would pay a single rate of commission to a, a publisher mm-hmm. for any type of activity uh, and that was all that was really possible but now we're collecting so many more attributes about a sale um, so it can be, you know, was it a new customer? Was it an, was it an existing customer? Did, was a voucher code used? Was a special promotion used? Did it come through the, uh, you know, did it come through a specific channel? What order did it come through in the chain? And being able to uh, dynamically um, attribute commission um, it has been, you know, a critical, critical part in, in growing the business and making sure that we were relevant um, to what was going on in the market. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if we look at, if we look at contracting, you know how we did, how we did business with advertisers. It was always very sort of simple, standardized offering. Um, but now it's about you know different advertisers, different sectors have different needs. We don't want to sell things to advertisers they don't need. So they, you know we have to be able to give people the op- the option to buy exactly what they want from us um, in a much more okay. um, sophisticated way. Um, you know the list. Of, I mean, measurement is another thing that's changed. You know, from sort of blunt last click attribution to more multi-touch attribution to really understand um, how value is, you know, attributed and how you know different advertisers have different ways of attributing value and you know understanding that is hugely complex, but but very important. And and then bringing all that opportunity that I mentioned. You know, making sure that we're enabling that to happen um, mm-hmm. inside our platform. So I suppose those are the things that have allowed us to, you know, focusing on those things and making sure that we're there, we're at the top of the game on those things, um, and always one step ahead, um, has what I think has what's made us, alongside our culture and our people, I'd say, is what's what's made us um, grow so fast and become the, the the player that we are today. All right, through this space, you become the biggest network on the in the in the industry. Um, who would you identify as kind of primary competitors of yours? I think there's there's I mean there's a there's a number of um, there's a number of competitors. I like to think that we have we have a pretty unique and unparalleled global reach because we are um, where we have a you know hugely successful business in in most of the European markets, uh, the major European mm-hmm. markets, and at the same time we have a, a really successful and fast growing business in the US and clearly you know Europe and US are the are the two largest um affiliate industries in in, in the world and so to have um okay. a really significant uh, presence in both markets is unusual you have some that are you know there's certainly competitors that are present in both markets but to have uh, such a strong presence in both markets is unique and then we added also uh, APAC uh, a couple of years ago uh, and we have a, mm-hmm. a very large presence now in Australia and and, and growing in Southeast Asia um 
that gives us a really interesting footprint and an interesting um, view of the world. Um, and it's also, you know, a huge, hugely fast growing part of our business is, is clients who want to operate in more than one market, um, who, you know, have a strong domestic presence sure. somewhere or are international companies and want to really mm-hmm. expand their affiliate activity and do it in a sort of more standardized way um, across multiple uh, across multiple areas. So um, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, but I, I think I've lost it. Fair enough. I can't remember what the original question was now. <laughs> it, it was more about like competitors because I, when I uh, think of affiliate and kind of recommendations, I think, mm. and I guess it's just because it's uh, they're always uh, on the radar looming in every single digital marketing discipline, is yeah. I would have thought somebody like Amazon would yes. be somebody that's at least kind of a creeping competitor that um, that is there. Um, they, they've obviously got resources, uh, an endless supply of resources. So I just thought that maybe they would be somebody that you at least have on your radar and absolutely be active. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Amazon is Amazon is interesting because they're they're um, they, they, they were pioneers in affiliate marketing. They were one of the early adopters of it and they have their associates program and obviously amazon sells Mm -hmm. almost everything and so uh, if you're a publisher that is looking to engage in the space then it makes a lot of sense for you to work with amazon and they have exceptionally high Mm -hmm. conversion rates and they've been you know again pioneers in that and making it super convenient and then um and then obviously that helps publishers because if you're paid on a sale you want to make sure that that, the traffic that you're sending converts i think that what um what we what we want to offer is uh, a much broader range of advertisers and uh, more choice uh, and therefore uh, many more options where, where where those publishers can can market their products and i think um what, what i would never recommend that the publisher only works with us and not work with amazon they should they should use both but i think it's always yeah. dangerous to put your put all your eggs in one basket and what we saw last year or during the pandemic actually was that amazon significantly reduced the commissions it paid publishers um obviously it was enjoying a a pandemic boom and it took that opportunity to penalize publishers because it could because of its size and this is always Mm -hmm. the problem with the sort of tech monopolies um on the flip side you had all these other retailers that work with us that sought to take advantage of that so it is an opportunity to uh, compete and take some traffic back from Amazon. And that's the power sure. of a sort of more open marketplace that we offer where all the, retails, all the retailers are present. Um, and we saw a huge influx of, of, of partners that were coming from Amazon to us in order to take advantage of higher commissions that were now available through our retailers during that time. I think it's important for any publisher to have a as diverse range of options as possible. And I think that that's what we can provide a more broad view of the market than Amazon can. Well, another thing that uh, AWIN provides is its uh, annual Power 100 report, which dropped earlier this week, if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken. Uh, Which uh, which, uh, uh, edition is this? How many years is this now? This is the sixth uh, edition that we've produced. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. It is a... Yeah, it's 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 a unique one this year because normally we've done a let's say a, like a state of the union. Uh, you know, how, how is the market developing in different countries, and and those are mm-hmm. you know those, those those sort of insights that we provided are still relevant. But this year, the Power One Hundred, what we tried to do is to demonstrate this diversity of opportunity 
that I mentioned, you know, how mm-hmm. the affiliate channel is so multidimensional uh, these days. And this is a selection, a sort of carefully curated selection of the top 100 uh, opportunities that are available um, in the, in, you know, on our platform at the moment. And um, it's really quite exciting because, you know, of these 100 partners, they generated $4.5 billion of revenue in 2021. Um, over 53 million sales. Yeah, so that just gives to show that the the, yeah. the the scale of this, um, and you know, with an ROI of of, of fourteen to one, so significant, you know, ex- exceptionally strong ROI, and um, phenomenal sales revenue, and some really innovating partners in there. Yeah. So um, we're, we're uh, yeah. So go, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. No. No. I mean, I, it just just sort of give you a bit more flavor. I mean, we 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 tried to we tried to categorize it into, into different areas. So you've got, you've got uh, enabling ethic, ethical e-commerce, which is, mm-hmm. which is really about sustainability. And there's all sorts of different partners in there. One really interesting one um, from Germany actually is, um, is a company called Ancharge, Ampersand mm-hmm. Charge. And they're using sort of a traditional um, loyalty mechanic within affiliate marketing um, where they're saying to people, okay, come and shop through our platform. And you can convert that into what they call kilometers to basically charge your your electric car. Um, so a really clever take on um, affiliate mm-hmm. marketing and, and sustainability, and, and and a whole lot of other um, interesting partners in there. You know, partners that you know plant trees in exchange for shopping. Partners that raise um, uh, funds for charities in there. Um, a whole range of interesting stuff. You have uh, another category: redefining um, redefining affiliate. Um, which is all about sort of introducing new also smaller areas. scales, yeah, exactly like TikTok. You're getting people involved in TikTok uh, marketing. There's, there's ways to do that through yeah. the channel. You've got outsourcing innovation, which is really, I love this. I love this category a lot, and it sort of brings me back to the to the Amazon discussion because you have you know Amazon have innovated in a lot of areas, like for example, one click checkout, making it super mm-hmm. frictionless to buy things online. Um, or things like uh, people who bought this also bought this and using their, their sort yep. of troves of data to recommend uh, products to, to, to build bigger baskets. And there are now a whole load of tools in ad tech available through the affiliate channel that give these, um, these, these abilities to our retailers. So um, you have a company called Increasingly, for example, which – um, looks to um, increase basket sizes by using artificial intelligence to look at what you've put in your basket and recommend mm-hmm. uh, products to add on top of that. Um, you have companies like uh, Bolt uh, who are yep. democratizing uh, one-click checkout, uh, which is, again, something that Amazon did, but very few, very few other retailers do. You can partner with Bolt through the platform to, to get access to one-click checkout. Um, so really cool stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'd encourage a, anybody to it's, it's a massive it report. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, please yeah. check it out. Um, it's it's fascinating, and I, I also feel like we're burying a little bit, of, or we don't want to at least gloss over the amount of work that went in uh, to whittling down two hundred and forty thousand plus partners to one hundred. It's uh, a gargantuan, <laughs> if not impossible, task. Um, yeah. Like, how many people were actually involved in that? Uh, I'm assuming it wasn't you just taking a weekend off and you know getting no, it, it <laughs> getting it down to the magic number. <laughs> It definitely wasn't me. I mean, we have uh, we had we had a team of people across the world. I mean, it's one of the one of the advantages of being a, 
being a global company and having people on the ground in all these exciting um, e-commerce markets is that when we want to produce something sure. like this, you can tap into that expertise. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, I think there's about 20 yeah. people from across the world involved in creating it alongside our um, our content uh, our content experts at, at, at headquarters. Sure. Um, a phenomenal effort and uh, really worth having a look Absolutely. at. Absolutely. How long does it take? So as soon as they, you publish this one, do you start working on 2022? Uh, 2023 almost. now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost. It, yeah. It, it takes it takes a lot of, you know, there's a sort of an ideation phase at the beginning and then, yeah, they work on it pretty much yeah. the whole year. Yeah. Fair enough. What were some of the trends you think uh, you identified or that maybe surprised you while you were putting together this year's list? Well, I think um, really it's, 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 it's just, it's always exciting sort of, first of all, we sort of said, look, what, what, how can we categorize this? How can we make this make sense? It's like I said, you know, coming up with those sort of headline categories yeah. um, and then, and then really trying to find the interesting trends within it. So, I mean, I, I mentioned some of them already, but just, you know, I particularly like the, the as I mentioned, the outsource innovation and the ethical e-commerce, because there's, there's just, there's so much exciting stuff happening in there. Uh, that you maybe mm-hmm. wouldn't have you wouldn't have uncovered or you wouldn't have sort of presented in that way had you not built this report, um, and that you know uncovering those trends I think has been really exciting. Fair enough. So um, Omar is based in Hamburg, Germany. Um, mm-hmm. We're very much an international internationally active company, but we also pay particular attention to matters relating to the German market, to our home home base, so to speak. And one of the things that struck me in the Power One Hundred was. Um, over 41, so two, over two thirds were either active globally, they listed their markets as globally, or mm-hmm. specifically Germany. So, my question is what is, in the grand scheme of things, how important is Germany as a market to a win compared to obviously the US and Europe as a whole are much larger? But where would you say that, uh, how does Germany kind of stand out, or what is Germany's role in a win's business? So, uh, Germany is our third largest market, uh, so it's it's pretty it's pretty significant globally. Market. So globally, yeah. So it comes uh, so the US, UK, uh, and Germany. Um, I think okay. um, the German market is still really. I mean, I think the pandemic had a. I mean, the pandemic had a major effect on all markets, but we we saw great growth in Germany j- during the pandemic. Um, we saw a lot of advertisers sort of. You move to the affiliate channel as a as a place to mm-hmm. um, find sustainable ROI. You know, you know, w- w- when things were, were being questioned, it was a place where you could sort of get guaranteed results. Um, what I would say is that um, so the, the, these sort of new and more exciting topics, the fact that you can use the affiliate channel to do much more than just drive um, reach. I think is less developed mm-hmm. in Germany, and it's something that we really want to encourage. And we, we we're doing that by producing things like this, by really wanting to say to decision makers very clearly in Germany that maybe what you thought about affiliate marketing in the past is no longer true, and it's a much more exciting channel than it was in the past. There's much more that you can achieve. There's many more marketing goals that you can achieve through the channel than ever before, and um, we want that we want our German clients to be as open to that as possible because it requires deeper level of integration um, mm-hmm. and more, more more access to more access to data so so what we tend to find is that um, our clients in in the UK and the US are much more open to um, sharing data um, and 
that deeper level of integration and, and having a, uh, which enables a much more sophisticated and open conversation and in turn enables newer types of partnership. Um, and so sort of my message sure. to my message to, uh, to, to, to German listeners and our German clients is maybe what you thought about affiliate marketing in the past is no longer true. Come talk to us about it and come and, you know, read this report, for example, and have a look at the, the new types of opportunity that are available. And we're here to help you do that in a, in a secure and safe and privacy conscious way uh, with all the latest modern yeah. technology. Um, and it's a really exciting space to be in at the moment. Yeah, as somebody who's been living in the country for over 15 years, uh, Germans are notoriously uh, slow movers when it comes or suspicious of technology. I mean, just until recently, it was not possible to, you know, just go to your local baker and use your credit card. You'd have to use cash. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to data issues, Germans are hypersensitive. Um, it's probably a good thing uh, in a lot mm -hmm. of ways, but I think the pandemic has accelerated a lot of change with that regard. So I'm not surprised to hear you say that that uh, like getting through, the getting to kind of uh, expand their openness to technology and providing data is is a big hurdle to, to clear. Um, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of uh, then potential in there once Germans start to come around, and they are coming around um, slowly, as is there as they are wont to do um yeah but, but I, I mean I wanted it's, it's, to, but, but, uh, but just maybe, maybe yeah. before you because it's a very interesting point because because i think that what, what's kind of strange is that there are there, there there are other digital channels that german companies are putting lots of money in that are more opaque and mm -hmm. less privacy conscious and if you look at for example the pr programmatic advertising with these very complex supply chains where so much data is being sold uh, you know in, in in kind of ways that we don't really understand we know that we know that consumers don't like it right we know that uh, yeah. a lot of the regulation that's come is a backlash to this um and so the affiliate channel is fundamentally data light we don't really care about the consumer the individual we, we only need to know you know who's referred the sale we only you know we need very basic yeah, level okay. of information to, to be successful and so um you know if, if, if nothing if, personal if, yeah if people are privacy conscious then yeah you should take a look at the look at the affiliate channel it's a safe haven absolutely all right <laughs> Yes, there you go. Um, so um, we, we mentioned a little bit before, uh, and also as a continuation of this aspect, uh, the tracking is absolutely mm -hmm. imperative. It's a key uh, point of the the entire affiliate industry. Like affiliate campaigns are only as good as the tracking accuracy, uh, essentially. Um, but recently, there was the big change with Apple's opt-in. Uh, the death of cookies, uh, that uh, the tracking transparency, the ATT policy. How has that affected your business? How has that? It's probably, I imagine, it's forced you to become more innovative. You mentioned as well earlier that uh, you have uh, you've developed a couple of solutions that are basically addressing that exact issue. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just curious how how did you how are you responding and how did you, to the news to the change and and how did you react to it? Did you see it coming? Was it <laughs> You know, a, a dark day, Black Friday type of thing. Um, no, I mean this. This is. I mean, it comes back to the, the point I was making. Um, fundamentally, we don't need a lot of data to to, to, to operate. Um, so there's there's, okay. there's different. There's been made. There's been lots of different changes when it comes to tracking over recent years. You had ITP, so the Intelligent mm -hmm. Tracking Prevention, that came from from Apple, which was all about. Um, you know, an attack on third-party cookies, and then obviously Google w was going the same route, although they've they've delayed it. Um, yes, 
years before we had moved to a first party cookie situation. So we'd, we'd, we'd long been tracking using first party cookies set by the advertiser domain. Um, okay. So we were, we were protected before this came in. And um, we were doing things in a sort of privacy conscious way before this came in. So this was a big problem for a lot of ad tech players, but not for us. Um, not for you. ATT um, was more to do with tracking app installs, which is not really an area of concern for us. We're more about tracking okay. sales within apps. So oftentimes a consumer will um, you know, have, a, have an app for a major advertiser and they'll come through an affiliate mm-hmm. site and then they'll be automatically redirected inside the app. So what we're concerned with is if they transact inside the app that we know about it and we can credit the publisher for that, uh, for that sale. And we have okay. a number of different solutions for that and they are not affected by, the, by ATT. So it had very uh, little impact on us. So there's probably then welcome news for you that it made it more difficult for possible competitors and you were already set up, positioned well to succeed? We find ourselves in a very unusual situation of being in in ad tech, um, but actually welcoming these tightening of privacy laws because they give us us a, a great opportunity um, to to divert budget from other channels into the safe haven of affiliate marketing, where we can um, achieve great results, fantastic ROI in a in a way that respects mm-hmm. user privacy and uses um, minimal amounts of data. All right, and so going back to a little bit uh, like who AWIN is for, or affiliate marketing generally speaking, at what size? Uh, like what's how big does a company need to be for an affiliate campaign to really become relevant? Is there a critical mass? Is there a certain uh, a revenue threshold that companies have to reach? Where, yeah. In other words, who is who is your target audience? So, really, I'd say you're relevant as soon as you're selling something online. I think advice that I sometimes give is you want to have some idea of you want to have some idea of how well your website converts. You know, you, presumably mm-hmm. when you've been building your website and you've been putting your products on there, you'll you'll have, been, you'll have had a keen eye on that. You want to make sure that I mean that's that's a, that's advice that I would give anybody that's doing any type of digital marketing. You know, build your site, make sure that it works nicely, that it's easy for the consumers to transact. Once you're in that position, then you can engage with with affiliate marketing. And um, we launched mm-hmm. a solution just before the pandemic, actually called AWIN Access. And it was inspired by an acquisition that we made in the US of a company called ShareSale, some of our um, big success okay. stories in the in the US. Um, and the, the, the idea here is to make affiliate marketing accessible for all. So it's a really low barrier to entry, low risk, basic solution that any advertiser can mm-hmm. engage with for very low cost um, and, and, and a sort of low performance fee. And it's to get you started in affiliate marketing. And so you can you can okay. launch on there pretty quick. If you work with Shopify, for example, it's plug and play. You hit a button, you've got the most immediately mm-hmm. the most robust and modern tracking setup overnight. And um, we have a team of people. We have a, there's a whole service created around it that is designed to help people get started in affiliate marketing. And during during the pandemic, we we actually lowered the fees. We made it free because we wanted to help businesses to take advantage of. At what was going on and to make sure that they had an online presence. Mm-hmm. We saw a huge uptake from that. So it's a great place to get started, really easy to get started, okay. and it's available in all our markets. And if you if it's working for you and you're finding success, 
um, then there are uh, then we, we create very easy options for you to upgrade, for you to buy more service, for you to buy more technology that, that makes that program more sophisticated, that puts you into the next category of programs. So, so once you've yeah. kind of experienced success, the sophistication of tools only increases to further uh, track your, your sales and attribute your sales accordingly to exactly. uh, further maximize yeah, you, you, you'll be you, your 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 level of sophistication. Your what you want to do within the channel, the types of partners that you want to connect mm-hmm. with will change. You'll understand that you'll have different you know you'll have different margins on different products. You'll have different success stories with different products, and you might want to adapt the way you commission. Um, so you become more sophisticated, and 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 we provide tools and technology and service to help you achieve that. Which means that really you can be the smallest direct to consumer brand or startup or micro SME mm-hmm. um, and be successful in affiliate marketing right the way up to huge multinationals like Nike, Vodafone, Samsung, et cetera. Um, all of them, all of them are working with us. We have, you know, 22,000 clients now and growing um, all over the world. Um, so yeah, really it's suitable for everybody. So uh, are, is there a change like based on the market uh, regarding the, um, efficacy of certain tools or attribution models um so like something that works or is very popular undervalued overhyped in the u.s is the exact opposite in germany or are they kind of are there a lot of similarities um basically generally speaking globally yeah i i think there's there's, there's always a tendency to think or believe that markets are are vastly different and and they might they might be for certain for certain categories or certain sectors but the research that we did uh, we sort of did quite a bit of research in the last couple of years to to really ask clients you know what they wanted from us what they needed from us and how uh, markets mm-hmm. differed and we found that actually there was a lot more similarity than difference um and really it's about maybe where you are on your journey as an advertiser uh, that matters the most and mm-hmm. so what we're trying to do at the moment is really Build services and solutions that that suit those needs. There's there's different stages of the life cycle that you're at, and it's less about mm-hmm. um, it's less about you know differences between between countries. Actually, you might get different levels of maturity and understanding uh, or acceptance, sure. like I mentioned about Germany, to certain things. Yeah. Absolutely, but, yeah. But but apart from that, um, the desires and the needs are very similar, and so that's what we're trying to sort okay. of do at the moment: build services and needs around that. All right. Well, um, before we get out of here, I wanted to talk a little about about where AWIN is going to go from here. Uh, you're already the largest affiliate network in the world. Um, when uh, when you took over, uh, I believe you, your stated goal was to just completely evolve into more of a MarTech platform. Um, and how how big of a pivot would that be, or is it just a natural continuation? Um, it's it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of natural continuation. I think I think. Um... I mentioned that sort of when 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 me and my colleagues uh, were were asked by Axel Springer to come and merge Xanox, what was Xanox and Affiliate Window into AWIM, we spent a lot of years mm-hmm. maybe f- focusing on that and, and and being being more inwardly focused. While we tried to bring those technologies together, bring those cultures together, bring those organizations together. At the same time, we did a lot of M and A activity to to expand our geographic reach, and a lot of that is is distracting. Right, it, it, it's sort of necessary because we wanted to have scale and we wanted mm-hmm. to make sure we really believed in the international opportunity. We saw huge growth in clients that wanted to expand beyond their domestic territory, 
And so we achieved that. But it, 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 it prevented us from really, as I said, looking at our client base and understanding how their needs were evolving and what technologies and tools and services mm-hmm. they need to take their activity, their programs to the next level. And that's really what our MarTech um, evolution is about. It started last year with, as I said, understanding those needs. And this year, it's about building the propositions out for those different um, customer types um, so that we aren't sure. forcing clients to buy things from us that they don't need. They're only buying what exactly what they do need and uh, that we're really mm-hmm. working on on optimizing according to today's market opportunity. So um, it's it's a change. And it's I think it's it's more... It's more focused on technology. We're massively expanding our um, our tech teams at the moment in, in, in all locations. Mm-hmm. It's very challenging to do that at the moment. It's a very, very tough uh, labor market. But we're we're growing our tech teams because we want to build more value. We want to build more tools and services to uh, to make sure that we capture the, the, the sort of potential in the market. So more um, products uh, could be on the horizon, much like the A1 Access, the plug-and-play solutions to make it easier to to onboard new customers to streamline access to to more and more markets and to make it easier to use exactly if, if i'm understanding you correctly yes that's exactly right um, that's exactly so right. are there yeah all right great um i wanted to know what are what are some goals you have for for growth in the short term i think where um, where do you see any markets you would be expanding to maybe some some certain sectors you'd like to branch out into beyond the martech yeah, I, th- I think uh, so. Southeast Asia is interesting, and we're doing that from our. We have a we acquired a business in Australia called Commission Factory, um, which uh, mm-hmm. is, is is really cool. Um, another affiliate marketing platform, but a very, very you know very modern approach to that. And uh, they uh, we've just opened an office in in Malaysia. We've got quite a few people on the ground there, as so we're looking to okay. um, expand into that area. It's a very different industry there. Um, so that's quite that's quite exciting. And then on the other side, it's 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 influencers we mentioned at the beginning, yeah. um, and really building tools and technologies that make that simple and, and easy, and that, that marriage of, of, of performance and, and, and reach and you know the upper funnel and lower funnel activity, and the the content commerce and the mass media space. So just capitalizing on that, making sure that it's super easy for those organizations to continue to engage um, in affiliate marketing because. They're seeing lots of growth from it, you know, triple-digit growth, um, and all our clients really love that content and access to that. All right. Well, Adam, thank you very much for your time. This has been a fantastic discussion. I've learned a lot. Um, it was the the time has also flown by on my end. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. Like I said, and uh, I hope to hope to see you soon. Are you coming to the Omar Festival? I'm really trying to because it's I've missed I've missed it and uh, obviously with the pandemic, so it'd be great to get back there and yeah. uh, it's just about organizing the diary. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Well, I hope to see you there and maybe we can catch up in person. Uh, Adam Ross, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.